Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, February 20th, 2023, the 761st day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So I want to start by picking up where we left off on Friday, and that is with the issue of election fraud. I played a clip of Tucker Carlson from Thursday night on Friday's show, and I posted that clip on Twitter. And Tucker is talking about how there's no way in the world that Joe Biden had so many millions more votes than Barack Obama did. 
and that it would have taken a miracle for Joe Biden to have actually received 81 million real legal American votes. And of course, there was no miracle. It's just election fraud. And so rather than paying attention to that, let's distract everyone with all of these other things. And that tweet ended up going pretty wide. Julie Kelly retweeted it on Friday morning and Sometime shortly after that, my account was locked for a week, so now I'm dealing with that. But over the course of the weekend, people like Carrie Lake retweeted it, and now that post has been seen 335,000 times. And something like 150,000 of the people who saw the post have actually watched Tucker Carlson's video. And I'm pointing that out because there's an interesting dynamic that comes along with that. You know, we haven't been able to break through that mainstream conversation to the point where the country at large fully knows and accepts and is willing to talk about the fact that the 2020 election was stolen and that our elections in general are stolen. It's not just about Donald Trump. It's about elections being stolen up and down the ballot all across the country, including for ballot measures, which is why states like California champion what they pretend is a more direct form of democracy. The people are actually deciding on the laws themselves by voting on specific laws as part of the normal election process. And in a world where our elections were safe and were secure and were legitimate, that might be a more democratic way to decide certain things. But it's also just an attempt to work around the process. Our elected leaders should be passing laws. That's what their job is. And then they should be held accountable to the voters during elections. Voting on ballot measures in elections that are manipulated and stolen not only deceives the people about what they want in terms of these individual ballot measures, but it also makes it so that the legislators don't actually have to do their jobs and governors don't actually have to do their jobs. People don't actually have to pass legislation and sign it into law through the normal constitutional process. They just get a ballot measure put on the ballot, run an illegitimate election and determine the winner, pass that ballot measure. And hey, now you got new laws. The legislators don't have to do anything and they can't be held accountable. So it's not just about Donald Trump. Now, because we haven't achieved that full narrative breakthrough of election theft and its prevalence throughout the country at all levels, not just at president, not just for the Arizona governor, but all levels all across the country. And we have yet to see elections overturned. People believe that nothing's happening and that nothing will happen because no one's talking about it. They don't see the issue of election fraud being brought up in the mainstream media at all, except when MSNBC and CNN are calling us election deniers and say that we are propagating the big lie. People know about the censorship. They know that they're going to be called stupid. And eventually they just don't want to go through that all the time. So they stop talking about election fraud completely. But when the narrative is spoken by someone in the mainstream, apparently it's much easier for people to accept and share that. Hey, it's not me saying it. It's Tucker Carlson saying it. And well, you know, you can have your feelings about Tucker Carlson, but the narrative's out there now. That makes people more comfortable in sharing this stuff for whatever reason, Tucker Carlson has obviously not been good on election fraud. He could have been saying these things 
throughout his entire show, every episode two and a half years ago, and maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. And that applies to just about everyone with a big platform. But as I've said many times, maybe all of this is a grand information operation. It is trying to wake people up slowly at the right time for certain things to fall into place. And we'll get through all this. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. Maybe Tucker Carlson was just scared to lose his job and his income. Anything is possible. But it seems like there is a major appetite for this stuff. And by and large, I would say 90% of the response to this post was positive. People were like, yes, this is obvious. Of course, there's no way that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes. Now, the other 10% are people who are losing their mind because this is out there and they're repeating a few claims. The first, of course, is that everyone just hated Donald Trump so much that they came out in these massive numbers to elect Joe Biden. Well, that doesn't make any sense when Trump's vote from 2016 to 2020 increased by a full 20 percent. You don't spend four years as a president and increase your total vote in the next election if everyone hates you. You especially don't increase it by 12 million votes. Joe Biden got 15 million more votes, we are told, than Hillary Clinton received in 2016, we are told. That's not because everyone hated Donald Trump so much. If everyone hated Donald Trump so much, then his total would have dropped and those people would have voted for Joe Biden. And that's not what happened at all. Donald Trump increased his share of the vote from black and Hispanic voters. And we're told that those are the people who hate Donald Trump the worst because he's racist. So that idea that we have 81 million real legal American votes for Joe Biden because people hate Donald Trump, that fails on its face. And I don't know why anyone even puts up with that argument. It is so stupid. It should be called out immediately. Hey, commie, that doesn't make any sense. And regardless, how did we get another 26, 27, 28 million votes in this cycle than we got in 2016? And they have no answer for that, except to say that voter registries increased and the percentage of registered voters who voted in the election. Well, that increased too. both of these historical trends just irrelevant now. Because everyone hated Donald Trump so much that voter turnout could jump by a full 20% just due to Trump hate. 26, 27, 28 million more Americans went and registered to vote because they hated Donald Trump, even though he got 12 million more votes. And of course, they wouldn't even try to pretend that Joe Biden performed well on Election Day. So then it's all about the mail-in ballots. And you can just keep going down this string with them, and they don't have any answers. Now, you might not be able to answer all of their questions to their satisfaction, but you have to remember that you're talking to people who don't know anything and that your goal is not to answer their questions to their satisfaction, particularly when they can't answer any of your questions to any level of satisfaction at all. They actually think that the conversation is simple. They're like, well, that's an easy question. It's because everybody hated Donald Trump so much. That's how Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes. Well, OK, Kami, that doesn't make sense. And what you're saying isn't smart and it's not something you can substantiate. 
So you're trying to convince me with that. I can try to convince you with all of these thousand things, but that doesn't work because you haven't decided you're ready yet to accept obvious reality that virtually everyone knows at this point. Okay. Well, the other response that I got quite a lot was about another thing that we discussed on Friday, which is the comments, the text messages, the private messages that were produced in Dominion's court filing against Fox News, saying that Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity had exchanged private messages talking about how crazy Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani were. That's what was reported to us. And so naturally in the post where Tucker is talking about how there's no way Joe Biden received 81 million real legal American votes, certain child-brained communists think that a good response to that is, well, Tucker and Laura and Sean Hannity said they knew the whole thing was a lie and they were just out there trying to trick all of you. They know it's a lie, therefore election fraud didn't happen. Well, we discussed that on Friday, too. But I also said it feels to me like these little snippets are being taken out of this Dominion filing and being presented as some full argument here. But there's got to be more to it than that. And it turns out, of course, there is. Raheem Kassam actually went in to read these filings and he wrote about it on his Substack, RaheemKassam.substack.com. Fox versus Dominion discovery docs show employees admitting their products were riddled with critical bugs leading to incorrect results. So that right there begins to explain why the big stories in the mainstream media on Friday were about texts from Tucker and Laura and Sean Hannity about how they knew it was all a lie. What big headlines, what a big story this is coming out of these filings. But that's not the big story, which is why it's the one they decided to tell. Now, let's hear the real story. Dominion Voting Systems sued Fox News and naturally all the coverage shrieks. Oh, my God, Fox knew it wasn't true, but lied. Actually, I think we all remember Tucker Carlson grilling Sidney Powell and the fact that the news network scarcely dipped a toe into any investigative work in the area. As their lawyers argued in response to Dominion, Fox's role was limited to reporting to its viewers the claims and counterclaims surrounding the election. As an aside, the Fox filings you can read here in full, and he does uh, link to the filings, also reveal that Dominion's $1.6 billion in claims are 42 times larger than what Staple Street Capital paid to acquire most of the company as recently as 2018. Staple Street has already made most of its money back, by the way, with Discovery revealing, quote, Dominion projects revenues of $98 million for 2022. More galling, however, is the refusal to cover the admissions found by Fox that Dominion employees themselves were not sure about the security of their own systems. Raheem takes this excerpt from page 15 of Fox's filing. Discovery in this case has revealed that Dominion's own employees expressed serious concern about the security of its machines. Mark Beckstrand, a Dominion sales manager, confirmed that other parties have gotten a hold of Dominion's equipment illicitly in the past. 
Some of the most critical examples include, with emphasis added, and these are from Fox's filings after getting discovery from Dominion. Beckstrand identified specific instances in Georgia and North Carolina and testified that a Dominion machine was hacked in Michigan. Beckstrand confirmed that these security failures were reported about in the news. And just weeks before the 2020 presidential election, Dominion's director of product strategy and security, Eric Coomer, acknowledged in private that, quote, our shit is just riddled with bugs, end quote. Indeed, Coomer had been castigating Dominion's failures for years. In 2019, Coomer noted that, quote, our products suck. He lamented that, quote, almost all of Dominion's technological failings were, quote, due to our complete F up in insulation, end quote. And in another instance, he identified a, quote, critical bug leading to incorrect results, end quote. He went on to note, quote, it does not get much worse than that. And while many companies might have resolved their errors, Coomer lamented that, quote, we don't address our weaknesses effectively. These were recent 2019 messages, which don't just provide justification for a news network covering potential exploitation of voting machines, but are enough to warrant a wider investigation of Dominion, State Street Capital, and their products and services. But no mention of these details by most news networks over the last 36 hours. The Associated Press, I suppose to its credit, put this in their 10th paragraph of the story, quote, Fox lawyers also point to an email from October 30th, 2020, just days before the election, in which Dominion's director of product strategy and security complained that the company's products were just riddled with bugs. So as long as Fox's corporate media competitors continue to take victory laps over filings their correspondents have clearly not read nor reported accurately on, they will find themselves guilty of precisely what they want Fox fined $1.6 billion for making routine editorial news decisions. This is wanton endangerment and disregard of a so-called free press and America's First Amendment. But then again, no one ever accused Oliver Darcy of believing in those things in the first place. And Oliver Darcy is a hack at CNN. So what do we have? We have a filing by Dominion. We have a filing by Fox. Both of these filings come after discovery. The mainstream media almost completely ignores Fox's filing and instead focuses on a series of messages from Dominion's filings attributed to Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram, where they are disputing some of the evidence coming in from certain sources. And this is being used to tell everyone who doubts the results of the stolen 2020 election, that all of them are crazy and even their heroes on Fox News think so, too. But that's not what the messages from the Fox News hosts actually say. And they're not our heroes. This is the strangest thing about the way the left and the mainstream thinks of MAGA and America First and Trump supporters in general, and it's getting to the point where it's just anyone in the truth community. Like if you've realized by now that COVID was a lie and that the vaccines aren't safe and effective, you're probably looking into other things. And some of those other things are making you a conspiracy theorist now. Hey, guys, welcome to our side. It's a shame you didn't join us here three years ago when we were all telling you, hey, COVID 
isn't what they're saying it is. Now, why is the mainstream media focusing on that part? Well, that's the sort of thing that can make their audience think once again, there's nothing to see here. And anyone who believes there is, is stupid. Even Fox News hosts think so. That's all they take away from this. It doesn't matter that that's not what the story said. And that's not what Tucker and Laura and Sean Hannity said. It just matters that they get to use it as a comeback. And that comeback makes people feel stupid. It makes people worry for a second. Wait, are these people lying to me? And if they're lying to me, is everyone else lying to me? Well, the answer is no. They might be lying to you, just like Ben Shapiro is constantly lying to you. Just like Tim Pool and Joe Rogan are constantly lying to you. None of them believe that election fraud could have happened or could possibly be proven. They are all incentivized to ignore it, and so they do ignore it. The people in the mainstream conservative press or even the mainstream podcast world that seem like they're really edgy, they're not totally towing the line and not totally supporting the central narrative. These people aren't your friends just because you've agreed with them for a long time and they felt like the one safe harbor in a storm. But you shouldn't need to find ways to attach to mainstream media figures and more popular podcast hosts or people on social media to feel like you're not crazy. The verifiability of your information and the soundness and logic to your arguments is what assures you that you're not crazy. Is there any chance that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes? The answer is no. Everything that flows from the answer of yes is crazy. You're not the crazy one just because the TV doesn't tell people what you know. The filing shows that Dominion's employees knew that outcomes could be changed in their machines prior to the election. That is the important news. Now, we've known this for a very long time. But this is the sort of thing you can easily use to show people once again, hey, the machines are totally vulnerable to manipulation and they can switch votes. Look at the Dominion employees telling you it's possible in their own documentation they provided for discovery to the court. If they want to pretend it's not real and that the machines are as safe and secure as the vaccine is safe and effective... That's up to them. You're not the crazy one. It's not your duty to just keep talking to these people and trying to prove them wrong until they finally accept it. Leave them alone. It's been two and a half years. Laugh at them. Mock them. They're the crazy ones, not you. And it's important to understand that dynamic because we are talking about two totally divergent realities. There's a false reality. There's an empirical and observable reality. Which one are you in? Which one are they in? Because if they're right, then maybe we are crazy and maybe we are destroying the world. And if we are right, then they're crazy and they're evil and they're destroying the world. So who's crazy? Well, I'm going to side with the people who decided to inject themselves with a toxic experimental substance that fails to protect them from a disease that couldn't kill them. They made a potentially life or death decision without considering life or death. That's a pretty good argument that someone's crazy. 
What's their argument that you're crazy because you don't believe that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes? Well, you saw his campaign. Most of it was from the basement. He would show up for an event and they would have little circles drawn for social distancing. So 20 people could attend. He had events where only cars attended. He had an event in Arizona with Kamala where zero people attended. So again, you're not the crazy one. Now, last week, we also heard that George Soros believes that Ron DeSantis will be the GOP nominee in 2024. No one cares about Trump anymore. And Ron DeSantis is the big bad guy with all the power now. And Soros thinks he could be even worse. Now, we kind of joke that that was a Soros endorsement for Ron DeSantis. And it's not exactly. There is a way that you could interpret that and take it as an attempt by Soros to diminish Trump's stature in certain people's eyes, make it sound like the real threat is DeSantis. And if you understand who George Soros is, well, then you want to support whatever it is that is going to make George Soros unhappy. And to mainstream normies, this is the sort of thing that really works for them because they don't want to have to support Donald Trump. That comes with all sorts of social costs that after three years, they're still unwilling to pay. They're not willing to stand up to the crowd of people who believe that Joe Biden really won and that COVID was very dangerous and that the vaccines are very safe and effective. They know that if they don't stand up for Trump, they can still argue all those other issues to those normies and child brains, and they'll mostly get a pass until they start talking about Trump. So replacing Trump with DeSantis makes them feel like they can get all the good stuff of Trump without ever having to risk their social standing. That's very attractive to a lot of people. Soros isn't coming out and saying, I want Ron DeSantis to be the next president. But he is saying something that the people in the online operation to elevate Ron DeSantis while diminishing Trump and demoralizing MAGA love to hear. Part of their big thing is that Donald Trump just doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have this massive base. It's just this little tiny base that Ron DeSantis can surely overcome. But can he? Well, the answer is no. And Here's some more proof on just how no that answer is. This is from Politico on Saturday. Florida win for Trump. New Florida GOP chair concerns some DeSantis backers. Florida Republicans on Saturday picked a political consultant with ties to former President Donald Trump advisors to lead the state party heading into the 2024 presidential cycle, a move that some supporters of Governor Ron DeSantis fear is a, quote, giant Florida win for Trump. Kristen Ziegler defeated Evan Power 126 to 100 in the election to chair the Republican Party of Florida. Ziegler previously was the party's vice chair, while Power served as the statewide GOP chair of chairs and as the leader of the Leon County Republican Party. They were running to replace outgoing chair Joe Gruters, who decided not to seek reelection. After they selected Ziegler, party members picked Power to serve as his vice chair. While the results may not be what I personally wanted, the Republican Party is well positioned with a unified team that will work constantly to beat the Democrats in Florida, Power said. 
Both Ziegler and Power have said publicly throughout the race that their job as party chair would be to support Republicans and not meddle in primaries. But the race was viewed as a minor proxy war between supporters of Trump and DeSantis. Trump has already announced he is running for president and is increasingly attacking the Florida governor, who many anticipate will be his strongest challenger for the Republican nomination. DeSantis is expected to declare his candidacy in spring. And they probably meant the spring, but hey, what's Politico going to do? Proofread their 750-word articles? Ziegler, a Republican political consultant with clients across the country, has worked closely with former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski, giving some the perception he was a more Trump-aligned candidate, even as he has professed his support for DeSantis since he first took office in 2018. Ziegler's wife, Bridget, is the co-founder of the conservative parental rights organization Moms for Liberty and was endorsed by DeSantis in her race for Sarasota County School Board. Trump's team did nothing to downplay the proxy war perception after the vote. Chair races across the country are and should be important for people running for president, said a consultant familiar with the Trump campaign's thinking. The person was granted anonymity to freely discuss the race. To that extent, the more Trump candidate won today. That means the Trump campaign is likely pleased with the outcome. DeSantis's team brushed off any suggestion that Ziegler's win represented a loss for the governor, noting power will still be the vice chair and the governor works well with both. And of course, they wrote nothing power because, again, they didn't proofread this article. Both of our guys won, and we look forward to working with them, said a DeSantis advisor who is not authorized to speak publicly. DeSantis did not personally get involved in the race. And here's the take from DeSantis land. DeSantis didn't weigh in at all on the Republican Party of Florida race, and I think he regrets it, said one GOP consultant backing DeSantis who was given anonymity to discuss the race openly. Ziegler is 100% Trump. He's partners with Lewandowski and others. This is a giant Florida win for the Trump people. Another DeSantis supporter said, I think six months from now, DeSantis might have some serious regret not getting involved. So Trump's guy beat DeSantis's guy in Florida. And the best thing that the online operation of DeSantis simps can offer is, well, Ron didn't actually try to win that which, by the way, is not an argument they would ever accept if it was Trump's side making that argument. They would just say that Trump blew it again because he's so stupid. Trump actually linked to this article on Truth Social, and he wrote, We won a big chairmanship in Florida over the DeSantis reps, but actually it's a win for all. That's the way we want it. Christian will be a great chairman, and he's talking about Christian Ziegler here. Ron DeSantis, for his part, was in New York today for an event attended by literally dozens of people and apparently doing his best Kamala Harris impression. Good morning. Now is not obviously I just came up from Florida. Is this Florida North or is Florida Staten Island South? How many of you are Florida residents? Do we have any? We have a couple. How many of you have immediate family who are Florida residents? How many of you maybe have like property in Florida? That, yeah. How many of you someday may end up being a Florida resident? Ah, uh, it's so cute, isn't it? Now, listen, I've said this many times. I have no problem with Ron DeSantis. If Ron DeSantis is the guy in 2028, I'll be more than happy to support him. If he's the guy. 
but it's absolute madness to consider supporting him in 2024 against Donald Trump. The one person you know is going to stand up and fight this globalist scourge and the series of coups from these usurpers is Donald Trump. It's not Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis can't be trusted to do anything. And again, not saying Ron DeSantis is terrible, not saying he has no future. Just right now, there's absolutely no reason in the world to prefer him, except that you think he's going to be more palatable to people who have been wrong about everything for three years, but still you feel you need to impress those people. There is no logical, rational argument in favor of Ron DeSantis, except on this deranged electability question for an election that is still over 20 months away. Think about how much has changed since May of 2021. That's the time difference we're talking about here. Remember May of 21 when all anyone talked about was the very violent insurrection and election deniers and the big lie and domestic terrorists and vaccine mandates and mask mandates. That was May of 2021. That's how long it is between now and that election in 2024. There is no reason in the world to believe that we are going to be in the same place and in the same mindset as a culture by the time that election rolls around. That we're in right now. And we absolutely do not need to begin giving concessions to mainstream normies. And there are even people out there who believe we should support DeSantis so that we can attract Democrats. That's a real thing out there. People just think we're in this normal political environment where elections are totally safe and secure and legit. And what we need to do is just make political calculations about the numbers. That is not what we need to do. We need to support the absolute best fighter who can see this through to the end. That is only Donald Trump. It's not Ron DeSantis. It's not going to be Ron DeSantis between now and 2024. Unless somehow Donald Trump steps aside and anoints him. And again, in that case, I'll be happy to support him. But there's no reason to be doing it now. Especially when his guy can't even win GOP chair in his home state. And Florida's not the only place where MAGA Republicans are becoming GOP chair. A few weeks ago, we saw that in New Hampshire. Chris Sununu, the governor there, is pretending that he's going to run for president in 2024. His guy lost, too. And then we have Michigan. And what happened this weekend in Michigan is freaking the communists out. Patriots in Control put together this little graphic. He grabbed a bunch of the headlines Christina Caramo, a GOP election denier who was soundly defeated in the 2022 midterms, now leads Michigan's Republican Party. The AP News says election conspiracist to lead Michigan GOP through 2024. Reuters, Michigan Republicans tap election denier to lead state party. The Daily Beast called her a QAnon. And this is the New York Times. Michigan GOP installs Christina Caramo, an election denier, as leader. Michigan Republicans on Saturday picked Christina Caramo to lead the party in the battleground state, fully embracing an election denying Trump acolyte after her failed bid for statewide office, one in which she unsuccessfully sued to throw out mail-in votes in Detroit and refused to concede, and good for her. 
Ms. Karamo won a majority of delegate votes at the state party's convention in Lansing, the state capital, after three rounds of voting that, slowed by paper ballots and hand counting, went on hours longer than the period for which the party had originally rented the convention space. Isn't that amazing? The New York Times is using a multi-round ballot for GOP chair of Michigan to reassert the notion from the central narrative that elections are processed more quickly and more accurately with machines. This election was slowed by paper ballots and hand counting. Oh, no, it's been slowed. What a horrible result. Everybody knows that elections are best held quickly, even if they're stolen. Her victory appeared to be an upset of Matthew DiPerno, another vocal champion of former President Donald J. Trump's election falsehoods, who had his backing in the leadership contest. And that's true. Matt DiPerno's a great guy and has been backed by Donald Trump. Despite Mr. Trump's endorsement of her rival, Miss Caramo's victory in some ways signaled an even stronger recommitment to Mr. Trump as the state party's North Star. One of the biggest flourishes of applause from the crowd of more than 2,000 delegates came when Ms. Caramo reminded them of her refusal to concede the Secretary of State's race. Both Ms. Caramo and Ms. DiPerno lost resoundingly last fall. Ms. Caramo by 14 points and Mr. DiPerno in his bid for attorney general by eight percentage points. They were among a number of Trump-backed candidates who were rejected by Michigan voters during the midterm elections. And naturally, the New York Times added quotes from the two Michigan representatives who voted for Trump's impeachment and now find themselves out of office. Peter Meyer said, in our state, this civil war is benefiting no one but the Democrats. Part of what the Republican Party in the state of Michigan needs to get back to is being a broad tent. To me, the fundamental challenge is how do you rebuild trust in the state party after losses like we saw in November? Fred Upton said, sadly, it looks like they want an encore. So Democrats are mad. The mainstream media is mad and rhino Republicans are mad. All of this is great. And one by one, position by position, MAGA is chipping away at establishment power around the country. Donald Trump posted this on Truth Social. Congratulations to Christina Caramo, a powerful and fearless election denier in winning the chair of the GOP in Michigan. If Republicans and others would speak the truth about the rigged presidential election of 2020, like Fox News should but doesn't, they would be far better off. The New York Times stated that, quote, this cements the party's takeover by Trump loyalists. I don't call them loyalists. I call them great American patriots. So according to the New York Times, MAGA has now officially taken over the Republican Party. Congratulations, everybody. It should be no surprise why the mainstream media and establishment Republicans and people like George Soros are attempting to create out of nothing a proper Trump substitute who MAGA would be willing to accept as the regime attempts to steal the primaries. And just for the record, I will say this again. I've said it before. But I will say it again. I still think the most likely thing going on here is that the Trump and DeSantis feud isn't real and that what it's designed to do is draw out all of these people from the mainstream, quote unquote, conservative media sphere. 
so that we know who all these people are. We can see them as they go after Donald Trump and they castigate Donald Trump supporters. They spend their days online calling MAGA stupid. These are the DeSantis people. Now, I'm not saying Ron DeSantis is running these people. I'm saying that the Trump DeSantis feud has brought all of these people out of the woodwork. They're not even really making pro DeSantis arguments. They just want DeSantis to be seen as the better, more professional, more polished version of Donald Trump, believing that that's what everyone actually wants. But that's not what everyone actually wants. What people actually want is the job to be completed. The best person to complete that job is Donald Trump. And it's absolutely not Ron DeSantis, or at least there's no reason to believe it is right now. So let's go from Ron DeSantis sounding like Kamala Harris to Kamala Harris sounding like Kamala Harris. Here she is this weekend at the Munich Security Conference. And there is no doubt these are crimes against humanity. The United States has formally determined that Russia has committed crimes against humanity. And I say to all those who have perpetrated these crimes and to their superiors who are complicit in these crimes, you will be held to account. In the face of these indisputable facts, to all of us here in Munich, let us renew our commitment to accountability. Let us renew our commitment to the rule of law. One of my favorite things about Kamala Harris is how serious and how inspiring she thinks she is like, Ooh, I'm going to remind the world that we are the beacon of hope when it comes to human rights. And we would never, ever commit atrocities. Only Vladimir Putin would do that, even though the human rights groups around the world say that it's the Ukrainian Nazis doing it. And surely we'll get the U.N. to agree with us and everybody's going to punish Russia together, except for the fact that no one's actually going to do that. This is all just marketing and PR. And she's at the Munich Security Conference, which Steve Bannon amusingly refers to as an arms dealers convention. It's basically everyone from the military industrial complex of the global regime getting together to discuss where they can have more wars. So Kamala Harris has formally declared that Russia is guilty of crimes against humanity. And she has so inspired the world that for sure the war is about to take a turn and the Ukrainians must win. And her trip was going great for a while, and then it wasn't going so great. This is from The Hill on Saturday. Harris travels home from Munich on support plane after Air Force Two breaks down. <laughs> Vice President Harris had to switch planes on Saturday during her trip home from Europe after technical issues grounded Air Force Two. 
Harris, who was speaking at the Munich Security Conference, boarded a C-17 support plane to head back to Washington. Due to maintenance difficulties, the VP and the traveling party will depart Munich to Washington, D.C. on a backup aircraft, a Biden administration official told reporters Saturday. The White House did not release more information on what caused the last minute switch. During her remarks in Munich, Harris said that the United States has formally determined that Russia committed crimes against humanity amid its war in Ukraine just days before the anniversary of its start. Harris vowed during her speech that the U.S. would hold Russia accountable for its, quote, horrendous atrocities and war crimes, end quote. I say to all those who have perpetrated these crimes and to their superiors who are complicit in these crimes, <laughs> you will be held to account, she said. She added that the U.S. will continue to support the judicial system in Ukraine and international investigations. Let us all agree on behalf of all of the victims, both known and unknown. Justice must be served, she said, wowing the crowd and then walking out to uh, one of the United States main planes. And it just wasn't there. Hey, sorry, you got to fly back on this military plane instead. Second most powerful person in the world. We're going to give fighter jets to Ukraine and annihilate the Russian army just as soon as we get the plane that's supposed to carry the vice president back from Europe fixed. And this stuff is hysterical to me. The fake president and the fake vice president look so weak, so feckless, so absolutely powerless that it's almost difficult to believe they're even actually in power. Starting to get there, isn't it? Oh, I know. I've been saying it the whole time, and I'm so crazy for saying it. How can you believe such a thing when you can see that they're totally president and vice president? All right. I mean, sure they are. Kamala Harris flies to a convention of international arms dealers, accuses other people of crimes against humanity, and then can't even get out of there because her plane's broken down. Hey, Kamala, where's your plane? Tell us where your plane is. But of course, Kamala Harris isn't alone in embarrassing herself on the world stage. And so today, for President's Day, the fake president, Joe Biden, went over to visit with Ukraine's fake president, Volodymyr Zelensky. And maybe, I don't know how this math works, but maybe if you combine two fake presidents, you can create one real president. And perhaps that's what they're attempting to do. So this Biden visit to Kiev is being portrayed by the media as a very, very big deal. Joe Biden is being painted as some heroic figure and they are enhancing the drama in every way they possibly can. This is video from his arrival. He's walking down a little lane right next to the comedic actor in Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky. Joe Biden has his aviator sunglasses on because right now he's in dark Brandon mode. And of course, Volodymyr Zelensky's like wearing green sweatpants. 
and the air raid sirens are going off so that we can all pretend that Kiev is some sort of war zone right now and that the brave Joe Biden is running toward the danger because he's a hero. He's there to save the brave people of Ukraine. And sure, this looks ridiculous now while we can understand that there's no need for those air raid sirens. That's just part of the show. That's part of the stunt. But they're not doing it for us right now. They're doing it for child brains right now who are totally still plugged into the central narrative. But in five years or 10 years or 20 years or 50 years or 100 years, if they are the winners and the ones who get to write this history, then they will look back on this little piece of video and they will portray a real danger that Joe Biden is actually being heroic by showing up there. And they have certainly done this with global presidents in the past. You see, when you control the narrative, when you're the one that writes the history, you don't actually need real heroes. All you need is a story that you can pretend is the only true story. And in that story, the characters are heroes. It's entirely possible that in the history where we lose, which is a false history, obviously, that's not going to happen. Joe Biden would go down as one of the greatest presidents in American history. And there really are people pushing that narrative. This is from The Atlantic this morning. Elliot Cohen. Biden just destroyed Putin's last hope. The long range missiles matter. So do the super accurate artillery shells, the surface to air missiles and the winter weather gear, the training in the English countryside or the muddy Grafenvor maneuver grounds and the intelligence provided from the eyes in space and the ears on airplanes that circle outside the battle zone. President Biden's visit to Kiev matters just as much as any of these. Other heads of government preceded him, earning deserved credit. But it is an altogether different thing when the president of the United States, who is indeed the leader of the free world, shows up. His words mattered. He pledged, quote, our unwavering and unflagging commitment to Ukraine's democracy, sovereignty and territorial integrity. And even more importantly, that the United States will stand with Ukraine, quote, as long as it takes. Symbols matter. A Kennedy or a Reagan at the Berlin Wall, a Churchill with a cigar and a bowler. For that matter, a green clad Zelensky growling. I need ammunition, not a ride. Simply by taking the hazardous trip to Kiev, Biden made a strategic move of cardinal importance. Hazardous trip to Kiev. If it was actually hazardous, they wouldn't need the air raid sirens because everyone would already know. But it's not hazardous at all. And who knows if Biden's even really there? They could be honestly anywhere. And I'm not saying they are. But I am saying that we've seen Volodymyr Zelensky film things in front of green screens before, pretending that he was actually right in Kiev. And Joe Biden has a fake White House set built across the street where he does everything. There's nothing about any of this that should just be automatically accepted as real. But let's go on. 
While the president clearly intended to bolster the confidence of Ukraine and the commitment of ambivalent Europeans and neo-isolationist Americans, his real audiences lay elsewhere, as his remarks about Western strength indicated. Russia has cycled through a series of theories of victory in Ukraine, that Kyiv's leaders would flee, that Ukraine's population would not fight, that its army would be crumpled up by a sudden blitz or by grinding assaults. It has been reduced to one last hope, that Vladimir Putin's will is stronger than Joe Biden's, and Biden just said, by deed as well as word, oh no, it's not. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. First off, half of Ukraine's population is gone and like 30% of their territory is just Russia now. It's not brave Ukrainians fighting the war in the first place. It's their Nazi armies and foreign mercenaries. The poor Ukrainians they're dragging out of their homes and sending to the front lines are essentially cannon fodder at this point. And the idea that Joe Biden is exerting his will by showing up in Kyiv is preposterous. It's not even clear that Joe Biden has a will. This is a gut punch to Russia's leader. <laughs> the Russians received word of the trip, we are informed, and presumably the threat stated or implied that they would get a violent and overwhelming response if they attempted to interfere with it. For a leader obsessed with strength like Putin, that is a blow. His own people will quietly or openly ask, why could we not prevent this? And the answer, unstated, will have to be, because we were afraid. <laughs> These people are honestly unbelievable. No one in the world is scared of Joe Biden landing in Ukraine, if indeed that is what happened. The visual contrast between an American president with his signature aviator sunglasses walking in sunny downtown Kyiv with the pugnacious and eloquent president of Ukraine and a Russian president who has yet to visit the war zone is also striking. Not to mention the difference between an American president who mingles with others, shaking hands, hugging and slapping backs and a Russian president who keeps his subordinates at a physical distance and who has to be surrounded by flunkies and actors when he supposedly meets with normal people. No belligerent words from the Kremlin will change those visual images, which will be seen in Russia as well as around the world. And it's kind of funny that he's suggesting that Putin keeps actors around him while Volodymyr Zelensky is literally a comedic actor. This is the sort of propaganda we used to hear about from totalitarian regimes. This is the sort of propaganda we used to hear about coming from North Korea. I can't remember if it was Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong-un, but I remember a story about one of them playing golf and shooting 18 holes in one. That's basically how they're treating Biden in this piece from the Atlantic, the Atlantic. Remember when the Atlantic was supposed to be prestigious? This was not a stunt, but rather an act of statesmanship. Biden's visit comes at a moment when much hangs in the balance. The Chinese have begun making noises about arming Russia, according to the United States government, which would be a very great change in this war. Oh, a very great change. Okay. 
The Western allies, including the democracies of Asia, have begun mobilizing their military industries. The Russian offensives that were supposed to produce large gains timed to the anniversary of the invasion have instead carpeted the Donbass with bodies of thousands of men who learned too late. As one French World War II general put it, fire kills. And meanwhile, Ukraine is building up a force to use in its own counteroffensive. Russia has 500,000 troops and might annihilate Ukraine starting at the end of this week. Thursday is a Russian holiday called Defend the Fatherland Day. And Friday is the one year anniversary of the very unprovoked invasion. This is straight up nonsense from a false reality. The Russia-Ukraine war is not merely a humanitarian calamity, a monstrous collection of crimes against humanity, and a gross violation of solemn agreements and international law. It is also a watershed in which much will be determined about the future of the international system. It could lead to a very dark place, not different in kind from that of the 1930s and 1940s, if the dictators get their way. But if the liberal democracies unite and display the resolve, enterprise and military capacity that they have shown before, that outcome can still be avoided. Hey, where is all the confidence you were stating in the rest of the article? You might as well be like General David Petraeus and just continually say that said. And let's remember the headline of this article for a second. The headline is. Biden just destroyed Putin's last hope. That said, there's also all this bad stuff, but that outcome can still be avoided. To that end, nothing matters more than American leadership, the recovery of the prestige and weight that has been wasted or diffused over the last few decades. We are not near the conclusion of this war, and there is much of a tangible nature that needs to be done to bring the conflict closer to its end. Words and gestures are critical, but only when accompanied by deeds. But for now, by taking a bold step, President Biden has made the future for Ukraine, for Europe, and for the cause of freedom under the law a great deal brighter. So I guess Joe Biden landing in Kiev and saying, uh, hey, guys, can you turn on the air raid sirens? So it seems like what I'm doing is dangerous. That doesn't count as words and gestures. That event counts as the ultimate turning point in this war from which Putin cannot come back. This is it, folks. And I'm not saying folks as me. I'm saying it as the Atlantic writer. I'm not one of those annoying people that says folks all the time as if they're always addressing a crowd of people gathered just to hear their wisdom. But this is it, folks. Vladimir Putin might as well just surrender right now. Come to the negotiating table. Give all of Ukraine back to Ukraine, including Crimea. Pretend that none of this ever happened and go back to Russia where we will try to crush you economically. Oh, I'm sure Putin is running for the hills. Dark Brandon has his aviators on. Ooh, so scary. It's crazy, isn't it? That throughout that article, he didn't list a single reason why Joe Biden showing up in Ukraine actually matters at all to anybody. It is just a show of strength and unity. And he's claiming that this visit is not representative of words and gestures. 
This is representative of deeds and actions that actually make a material difference in this war effort. And the pictures coming out of this event are even more preposterous than the video I just played you before. One of them is Biden and Zelensky standing and waiting to begin their filmed walk while the air raid signs are playing. And Biden is lined up with a red dot on the ground that shows him where he's supposed to stand and start. This happens all the time with Biden. Last week, he was at some event wandering around, figuring out where he needed to go. And he stopped and stood on a yellow X on the floor made out of like masking tape and then looked around to make sure he was in the right spot. There is a picture of Joe Biden signing like the Ukraine regime's guest book. And Zelensky is off to the side, looking up at the ceiling like, what is even going on here? Now, the Atlantic article mentioned the Russians received word of the trip. We are informed and presumably the threat stated or implied, which might as well mean not real, that they would get a violent and overwhelming response if they attempted to interfere with it. So apparently the global regime and the United States threatened Putin that if he interfered with this trip, oh, he was going to get a violent and overwhelming response. And so he just backed down. Oh, yes, we're scared. Go ahead. And that's comical. Jack Posobiec just tweeted, and obviously we have to see if there's more to this, but he said Biden had to call Putin for permission to visit Ukraine. So we've already been told by the Atlantic, it is already an accepted part of the central narrative, that there was some communication here. And the U.S. is talking tough about it. But we know that they're in no position to talk tough, which makes me think maybe Poso's on to something here. We'll have to see. Now, while Joe Biden is in Ukraine, Donald Trump is traveling this week to East Palestine, Ohio, to visit the wreckage of that train derailment and the chemical issues and see exactly what's going on there. Now, FEMA was not going to get involved in this situation as soon as Donald Trump announced that he was headed to Ohio this Wednesday. All of a sudden, FEMA comes around and decides that they're going to go see what's going on up there, too. So either Donald Trump announced his visit, which forced the fake administration to respond, or perhaps the fake administration isn't actually running anything. Again, consider what it means to be this bad at politics and this bad at optics. Joe Biden is in Ukraine trying to give more American military equipment and more American taxpayer money to the puppet leader of one of the world's most corrupt global regime states in support of an army made up of literal Nazis rather than checking on the ecological disaster in Ohio. Very presidential. A couple more things to update before I go. The first is this from Axios today. McCarthy gives Tucker Carlson access to trove of January 6th riot tape. So the other day we were all told that Kevin McCarthy was not going to release the footage from January 6th at the Capitol. That story went all around. Everybody got very mad at Kevin McCarthy. Everybody got very mad at Donald Trump. And then two days later, it turns out that story is not true. 
House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has given Fox News's Tucker Carlson exclusive access to 41,000 hours of Capitol surveillance footage from the January 6th riot, McCarthy sources tell me. Now, this is the most hours of surveillance footage I've ever heard. I was under the impression that we were in the 14,000 hour range, but apparently now it's 41,000. Carlson TV producers were on Capitol Hill last week to begin digging through the trove, which includes multiple camera angles from all over Capitol grounds. Excerpts will begin airing in the coming weeks. Why it matters. Carlson has repeatedly questioned official accounts of 1-6, downplaying the insurrection as quote-unquote vandalism. Now his shows have a massive trove of raw material. Carlson told me, quote, there was never any legitimate reason for this footage to remain secret. He's right about that. Also, if there was ever a question that's in the public's interest to know, it's what actually happened on January 6th. By definition, this video will reveal it. It's impossible for me to understand why any honest person would be bothered by that. And that's a good point. No honest person should be bothered by that. Wasn't the whole point of the sham January 6th committee to get to the actual truth of what happened that day? Of course it wasn't. Or they would have released all this footage themselves. If they wanted the public to know the real story, they shouldn't have kept any of it a secret for over two years. And we can talk about how two years is far too long. We can talk about the January 6th prisoners and their mistreatment and how unjust all of this is. And all of that is true and fine. But this is still important. What is Tucker going to show the American public? Let's hope he shows everybody exactly what did happen on January 6th. And if that's the case, that whole narrative is going to be flipped on its head. And what will that make the people who pushed the J6 narrative for the last two years look like? It's going to make them look like liars and frauds. It's going to make them look clueless. Again, there are all these avenues, all these different stories playing out whether it's COVID or masks or lockdowns or mail-in ballots or vaccines or the stolen election or immigration or inflation. And you can just go on and on and on. All of these stories come around and around and around. And we get a little bit more truth and a little more exposure every time they do. And sooner or later, one of them is going to break and it's going to break in major ways. And when it breaks in major ways, what that is going to cause is an additional layer of people waking up and realizing, wow, they lied about that too. At some point, there's going to be a breaking point. We've all experienced this. Unless you've been awake your entire life, you've experienced this where at one point you were just like, okay, I've had enough. This is all wrong. I cannot believe that I was lied to. I cannot believe I've been tricked. I cannot believe I've went along with this. I cannot believe how I've treated other people because I was so misinformed about all of this. And when that moment comes, a whole new world opens up. These are the sorts of things that are going to be playing out over these next 20 plus months until the 2024 election. What happens when the January 6th narrative is just totally obliterated? I don't mean people have their doubts. I don't mean that people finally agree that maybe January 6th wasn't as bad as 9-11. I mean, they realize they were fully and completely lied to. And it's not just about that one event. The point is that trust in the central narrative breaks down. When all trust in the central narrative has broken down, that's when truth floods in. And when truth floods in at massive scale, 
That's when anything becomes possible. And just finally, before I go, it appears that James O'Keefe has been removed by the board from Project Veritas, his own company that he started. Alex Brusowitz points out on Twitter, Bannon just shared a post that points out that the Dominion attorney that DeSantis is working with also now works for Project Veritas and could be behind the ousting of James O'Keefe. And I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the podcast within the last couple of weeks. I think it was a week or so ago. But Ron DeSantis had some little panel and on his panel was an attorney who is currently representing Dominion and currently involved with Project Veritas. And if there is a DeSantis connection between all of these various parts, Dominion, the online effort to diminish Trump and demoralize MAGA and the ouster of James O'Keefe from Project Veritas to protect Pfizer, then that could look really bad for Ron. But again, hey, maybe Ron is the second best guy ever. And this is all just a put on to achieve certain political ends. Wonderful. If that's the case, everything's just fine. But the urge some people have to protect Ron DeSantis at all costs because the TV also likes him is a bit insane. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month, comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!